This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. 93-7 the ticket veteran and Bill Callahan fan club president, Jake Bakovin. I love Billy. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. We are off and running here on the block on 93.7 The Ticket uh, on a Tuesday, uh, a refreshing Tuesday after a very fun night last night, um, going to a Husker kickoff event uh, out uh, by Tavern 180 in uh, Nebraska, or excuse me, a couple of Nebraska football players there, a couple of Nebraska coaches. It was a lot of fun you had last night. Obviously, it was uh, people that, that got there were you know paid to be there, so you can't say too much about it, but did you enjoy the event last night, Eric? Yeah, I thought it was uh I thought it was a really well done event. Um the snacks and the food was phenomenal. Oh yeah. I got a chance to you know, after we get off the block, you know, sometimes it's it's good to have a wind down, um, you know, time to sit down and relax and it was good to fellowship. Uh, for me it was it was like a reunion. It was getting an opportunity to catch up with old friends that I, I got to know and, and respect and Mickey Joseph and obviously Remembering the time and having a time to talk with Scott Frost about uh, the time that I came out to practice, which again <laughs> is one of the you know most dumbfounding things for me. Going out to a football practice and not having any book, not having any playbook, not having anything to basically have a reference as to where do I line up, what is the play, do I go in motion. What am I going to be running? No semblance of any of that. And then to be out there and in the huddle with the first team and running running pass patterns and plays and stuff like that and him throwing balls to me. Scott Frost probably threw more balls to me in practice that day. <laughs> then he probably threw the whole season. <laughs> maybe, I mean, if you would have joined that team, maybe that's the, that's the secret weapon. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't end up needing it, but. They, they did. They got it done. You know, national championship win for them. Um, obviously, a good friend of mine that that runs Tan. Well, he does a lot of marketing for Tan- uh, Tanner's mm-hmm. Barn Grill, and that's uh, Dave Schillinglaw. You heard him speak um, when he was doing the initial introductions. Uh, he was my marketing teacher. He was my marketing teacher at Bellevue West, and okay. so a lot of um, the business acumen that I have, a lot of the things that I learned over the years. So it's always good to catch up. We call him Shilly Shill, Dave Schillinglaw, and and then, uh, you know, getting to talk to, you know, Davidson and and um, just a lot of the guys and also getting a chance to sit and have conversation with O'Shawn Mathis personally, uh, understanding kind of how the transition has been for him, uh, meeting Trey Palmer as well and, and getting a chance to chop it up with Garrett Nelson. You know, great men, great young men. Those men are phenomenal and uh, looking forward to watching them and, and, and getting it done for them. Eric, Eric Shenander was there as well, uh, listening to him and what his expectations are. I did ask a good question. 
And we're not going to go over all the details because it wasn't a media event, but the block was in there. We was in the house. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I know you mentioned Tanner's. Uh, I think they plan to do that again next year. He said it's the, the first yeah. annual one. So uh, to keep that going, if you didn't make it out this year, um, you're going to want to make it out in the years to come. Delicious uh, Wagyu beef that we had. VJ put some ketchup on Oof. it. So he's been catching hell from everybody around, <laughs> around the office. for That, that. was the dumbest thing you could put on it. It was so naturally just flavorful oh, yeah. and succulent and it, it was very tender well cooked i mean great wagyu beef yeah, yeah. and i and i know you were again we, we're not going to talk too much about what was spoken there but we could talk about kind of sizing up the guys you were pretty impressed with the size of Oshan mathis and i gotta mention great you know garrett nelson's pretty pretty big guy now too yeah yeah so yeah man absolutely i got a chance to shake his hand and and uh, he came up behind me and asked me a question when we were in the in the um, the, the bar side, the other side. They have two locate. I, I can't remember the. It's exact Tavern One Eighty, I think. Seven One Eighty. Tavern yeah. One Eighty. Yeah. That's a nice atmosphere too. Oh yeah. Got a chance to sit over there, and Garrett Nelson comes up behind me and grabs my shoulders and like, "Hey, Strick, um, you know, uh, where, where's the, where's the food? I'm kind of." <laughs> I was like, "Man, here's the appetizer. Take the whole plate, young fella. You know, you can have it all." I don't want no beef with you, no wagyu beef with you, brother. <laughs> so yeah, man, it was good, man. Good, good, wholesome, you know, solid country man. man. Oh yeah, it. yeah. It's Scott's it, blood favorite. Oh yeah, so, and you yeah. could tell, you know, it just kind of matters to him, and and you know, it's kind of a throwback Husker. Like like you worried over the years that like kids these age, this age, you know, wouldn't know about the nineties Huskers and wouldn't, you know, kind of grow yeah. up with that. But clearly that's kind of been passed down to him, um, you know, from his parents or from his family. And, uh, and, and you can just see the kind of the care factor that's there. And that's why I'm excited for him um, to go off to big 10 media days and to represent yeah. Nebraska and to be a team leader. Uh, you're just, you're not going to lack any of that, that want to, at least in the locker room, I think from this group. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, I did want to ask you this too, because it, it, you know, it's just kind of the numbers that we were talking about there on the ticket water cooler um i the way that i kind of see the season is interesting of course everything can kind of change depending on how the wins and the losses look so it's hard to talk about win total altogether there but i you know i i kind of feel like nine wins is the standard at nebraska and i i I don't know if that's still the standard or within the past seven years that's changed because nebraska had you know i had the stats in front of me 43 of the last 53 years um They've won. They've had nine win seasons. That's eighty-one percent of the time. That's why I call it the standard. That's why it sits. It's not just like, well, here's what's been going on the last few years. No, this is half a century uh, of majority nine win seasons. Of course, the numbers get worse once you start moving closer to the modern age. 14 of 24 seasons since Tom Osborne. That's 58 percent have been nine win seasons. That's Still pretty darn solid, but not what you want it to be. And then, of course, in the last seven seasons, you've only had one, uh, which was under Mike Riley. That's 14%. And it's not to say that Nebraska fans wouldn't be pretty jacked and pretty happy for an eight-win season this year, but I still do feel like that nine-win standard that I call it uh, gives you that little bit extra, right? I I, I think like this, that six wins, you're... I mean, you might be fired. You don't know how that's going to go. Seven wins, I think you're probably safe. Eight wins, you build on top of safe, and you think you had a pretty good season. 
nine wins, and that's that standard. That's where I kind of get into, okay, now I'm back into thinking this program actually took a real step in the right direction and is moving forward, and, and things kind of kind of look like you can build from there. Um, is that kind of how you see it kind of playing out as you look at these possible win totals? Yeah, I, I think nine wins puts you in a position to where you're looking like, okay, uh, let me just say like this. If it didn't happen, your expectation wouldn't be there, right? You would be kind of just like, okay, you know, they're they're doing better. You know, they're building. Or if it looks like, you know, there's some strength in the move and the changes that have been made, you can say, you know, seven wins or whatever, six, seven, eight. Yeah, six is probably uh, cutting it a little tight. But if you get in that seven, eight, but if you get in a nine, you're, you're looking at from a standpoint of, it's not an unexpected thing, especially with the team that you had last year, the additions you made, and as have been spoken on many times, just a tremendously favorable favorable schedule. I mean, they've been dumped on early in this earlier in the in, in the Scott Frost era. They've gotten dumped on a little bit. I mean, they're some of their some of their schedules have been like really like you gotta look at it and say, dang. Pretty tough. Is it woo? You had to, you had to wonder if there's something going on there. But I think now they've got a very favorable opportunity to hit nine after the way they played the last year where they were just so close, they're on the edge. And if you use that as a springboard and as you use that as an opportunity in your coaching rooms, in the different rooms that you have to be able to talk and speak into and change the mental culture and take it from a losing culture. That's the, that's one of the hardest things to do is to change a losing mindset, a losing culture. But if you can look to tell those stories and share some of those moments and share those things and share those minute details that were missed in certain areas that can turn you into a nine win plus season, then you've got something. Yeah, and I, 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 I think it's it's fascinating It's because it, it is. It's those small things that hurt yeah. Nebraska last year. And, and maybe, it, you know, sometimes it was sometimes it was predictable problems that weren't small, but you knew that the team had to overcome it. I, I, I continue to say it. You might not have, uh, you might not like the outcome of the offense last year, but I think they were twentieth in total yards, which is pretty astounding considering their offensive line um, was terrible, was not all yeah. that good, you know. And so yeah. to, to get around that and to do what they did, um, even Scott Frost's offense, which I know is has been checked off, it was a failure, it didn't work. They've moved on and they're trying something new. I was still impressed with that. You knew special teams was going to be something. That's not necessarily, you know, when when you talk about the context of football on a larger scale, I suppose it's the the, the forgotten about um, portion of the game. But overall, it's not a small detail. Every, you know, coaches know how important special teams can be. So, you know, sometimes it's the small details. Sometimes it's just overlooking or you know, overcoming a deficit that you have to begin with. And Nebraska's not alone. I mean, most teams, I mean, there's there's maybe two or three. I mean, you look at even Alabama last, or excuse me, uh, Ohio State last year, didn't have the, the greatest defense. They had to overcome that. Georgia last year, swapping back and forth at quarterbacks. That's going to end up being pretty solid, but we can all agree, not an all-star. Um, so, I mean, most teams, even championship teams, have deficits that you have to overcome. And uh, I hope that, you know, Nebraska can minimize those because you worry about them. Um, and that's and been a big part of the talk today, too, is, you know, Bill Bush. Uh, I'd, I'd implore you to go listen to Bill Bush. He came on the captain today uh, on 93.7 to take it with VJ. A very good interview um, and has make, been making the media rounds as well. And so we'll talk that about that here in a little bit. 
Uh, we're going to get him on the block, too. Oh, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to get him on here, definitely. That'd be yeah, awesome. We're going to make sure we get him on the block. No yeah. question. Uh, the other, but the other part of the big news today is kind of interesting. Um, part of Coach Frost's new CEO role, uh, which he's kind of transitioning to, you know, moving from his offense that we're talking about, uh, looks like it'll include being the the kind of the voice of the team, the lone voice. Now you'll still hear from offensive coordinator Mark Whipple and defensive coordinator Eric Shenander once the season starts, and you'll hear from the assistant coaches, uh, the positional coaches, I should say, um, as we lead up to the season in fall camp. But once. Once they start the season, they announce today that the, the position coaches will not be speaking. Do you see this as a good thing, a good step toward the CEO role for Scott Frost? Do you see this as a negative, trying to, um, you know, I mean, there are, there are certainly ways that that could help some of your position coaches to kind of get that training on, on what to say, but you don't want to si- send mixed signals. So sometimes maybe that's kind of what they're worrying about. How do you see this? Uh, how do you see this kind of lone voice for Scott Frost, minimal access to coordinators, and then no uh, real look into the, the position coaches once the season gets going? Well, let's be real about it. I mean, they've had an absolute overhaul of coaches. Right. Yeah. So you have a bunch of new coaches that are coming over from other systems, other programs, other head coaches, other rooms, the way that they did things, the way that things have been handled and managed. So you're dealing with that, that, that overhaul. There's only been, there's only one coach that remained. Right. So, uh, well, other than Bill Bush has been around, he, he, right. he wasn't necessarily, he was a different position, but two coaches pretty much are around and, and kind of understand. So <clears throat> I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it minimizes schism. I think it 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 uh, narrows the focus on messaging. Um, it it enables them to have total congruency. And when they have discussions and they're sitting down and they're they're going over specific uh, things, then you're going to hear from them. I think that um, you you know you like you're saying you'll be able to still hear from them, but you won't be able to um, have total uh, access and autonomy that you used to have with them. So that's, that's not a bad thing. I don't, I don't see. Yeah. It it certainly leans into the Scott Frost CEO role. Um, and it'll be kind of interesting to see where he goes from there. Cause I think at times too, and this certainly happened under the, the Mike Riley regime where it just kind of, you know, you'd ask, uh, uh, one guy this and then the next guy would kind of tell you and just kind of mix signals and, and made you feel like they weren't on the same page. Uh, and I think that that might be something that they're working against too, is that the fact that they, they are going to have to find that cohesion and, and, and learn to work together. Um, and, you know, that's something that we, I, I think gets overlooked a little bit is, is that that's going to take some time. And, and so they're not going to be mid season form as yeah. a coaching staff game yeah. one, halfway around the world. We talk about it for the players, for the coaches, it's going to be a, a bit strange, but eventually they'll kind of get into it and get that cohesion. But um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an awful idea. You know, I, I think that overall, um, Coach Frost should kind of know the same type of questions, maybe not quite to the depth of you know going down to the depth chart um, and some of those players down the line as the positional coaches. But um, you still get most of your questions answered, uh, and it'll be from the head man. So as far as I see it, I, I don't know if it will be more time from Scott Frost. But you would assume if that, you know, that media time is, is kind of being given out because it, sometimes it depends on the coach, too, how he's feeling that day. If he wants to answer three or four questions or if he'll sit there for a while for you. Um, and, and that might kind of change dictating on kind of how he's feeling, obviously, how the season's going and all that. Um, but 
I think if you're, I think it's a positive move. I mean, I'd like to hear from the positional coaches just as much as anybody else, but I think it's a positive move for this season with this staff um, to, to kind of narrow that focus and to give Scott his CEO role, not just in, in, in saying, but like actually, you know, playing it out and, and letting him uh, run his program the way that he thinks. I mean, I'm sure he had a large part to say, you know, into this discussion. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things that I think needs to be done, especially on the onset and allowing those, those, everybody to have the message be synonymous with what they're trying to accomplish. And uh, you don't want it to be any, you know, anybody speaking out of turn. And, and I mean, I think one thing we don't want to have missed is what was, what, what did, you know, some things that were said in that um, event last night at Tanner's bar and grill was, there was a couple people that mentioned the fact of how tough this first game can be. Uh, there are a few questions that was spouted out there that were talking about facing a Fitzgerald team mm-hmm. with all the, the different uh, changes and adjustments in both coaches and players uh, to have that type of coach that you have to face on, on the road. It, it's not an easy challenge. And so going into camp in the next week where they're going to be taking some time off, obviously, that is nothing that we can't not share. That's that's something that's public news. But um, knowing that they're going to be focused and honed in and tightened up, you know, I've had some discussions with with some of them independently. And, and some of the things that you're 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 getting a chance to understand is is really getting uh, a coordination as far as their terminologies together. Those things are important. And they really want to lock that down so that way there's no uh, no mistakes or anything on certain audibles or calls or different things. You want to make sure your terminologies are in place and making sure that everybody is on the same page. And that is a real key element coming into camp that they want to uh, lock down. And before we, we jump to break, I did want to get to your response here on the Sarder Heyman text line. We we're talking a little bit earlier about uh, kind of a, nine wins being the standard at Nebraska. Somebody chimes in. What are the what are your thoughts on a nine and four season, but they lose the last three and then a bowl game? So going out starting nine and zero, I suppose, and finishing mm. with a four game losing streak, uh, it'll certainly be frustrating. Those last games uh, include Michigan, Iowa, and Wisconsin. If you play it out there, at least for me, though, I'll sign up for nine wins either way. I can get it. Um, um, you'd have to beat Purdue and Minnesota, and, and you got to beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma too. Oklahoma, in, in, in yeah, that yeah. scenario. So I'm, you know, I don't. And throw out everything else. If Nebraska is undefeated, you know, probably top ten at that point at any time this season, um, it's uh, it's a success in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think I think that that does extend you. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't think I don't think you. You fire him in that specific, but your expectations change tremendously that next year because that buyout is sitting right. You do not do an extension; it extends you for yeah. the contract you have. You don't, you don't, you're not an extension where you're still trying to play that thing out. But it does, it does take you into minimizing that buyout form. And if there's any form of shakiness or uh, topsy turvy to start that next one that'll probably happen sooner than later if, it, if that's not the case. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny to play out these different scenarios. Everybody's kind of getting a little bit more into it, getting their, their Kool-Aid, drinking a little bit. You're uh, you're ready to head out to Big Ten Media. Is, here about, is it a week from now? 
Uh, next week, yeah. Yeah. Next, I think uh, we head out next Monday. We'll be there Tuesday and come back Wednesday, yeah. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And, of course, we talked about the other day the, the guys that will be out there for Nebraska, Garrett Nelson, Travis Volkolek, uh, and Quentin Newsom. Um, what are you What are you most looking forward to? Is this your, your uh, first uh, conference media day as far as football goes? Yeah, I, I, that's that's what's exciting for me. It's 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 outside of the comfort of what I've been familiar with. It's not outside the comfort of of, of me understanding football and loving football, mm-hmm. football being my favorite sport. It's not outside of that. Um, it, but it's outside the comfort of just being in an arena to where I'm having to introduce and meet and 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 have discussions with those that are outside of my sphere of influence. So that's. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to you guys uh, going down there as well. We're going to send a nice crew, including Strick, uh, down there and uh, hopefully take over Big Ten Media's. Maybe 93.7 the ticket will be the talk of Big Ten Media Days. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe a coach will say something or, uh, you know, one of the players get going. But we'll we'll give it a shot. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. I think uh, Sip we might just uh, not be able to get him. I think he's out at the lake enjoying himself and, and well-deserved. I mean, everybody needs a lake day in the summer and, uh, and Sip. Uh, so uh, probably no Sip here coming up. But we do have plenty to talk about, including Will Anderson today at SEC Media Days talking about vying for the Heisman and getting some Heisman hype. Will we see another defensive player win the Heisman? And is he, I mean, the best opportunity at that that we've seen in some time? We'll talk about that next year on The Ticket and on the block on 93.7 The Ticket.